We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. We got a breaking news episode for you today. Tuesday, July 5th is the day as we record this live from Eugene, Oregon. I'm your host, Max Torres, and joining me on today's episode is Ducks Digest writer Graham Metzger. How we doing, Graham? Doing good, man. Always good when Oregon locks down a big commitment like this one. Absolutely. Well, that is the topic of today's show. Oregon going into the state of Washington to land elite 2023 cornerback Caleb Presley out of Rainier Beach High School in the Seattle area. Uh, Rainier Beach has become a a hot spot for talent in the Pacific Northwest and is certainly a spot that the Ducks find themselves to be familiar with after signing 2022's number one offensive tackle, Josh Connerly Jr., So in today's episode of the pod, we are going to give our thoughts on what this commitment means for the Ducks, Dan Lanning, and the 2023 class. We are live on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus. So if you guys are here watching on the live show, definitely hop in the live chat. Let us know your thoughts on this latest commitment for Dan Lanning and the Ducks. And definitely feel free to throw some questions our way. We want to try to get as many of those as we can and try to answer as many as we can. And then if you guys are here watching uh, on the replay, appreciate you guys stopping by to listen and uh, talk some ducks. But man, the uh, the recruiting trail is is definitely the hot topic now with uh, Dan Lane and the Ducks picking up a little bit of steam here start July. Graham, what are your thoughts uh, off top on this commitment? Uh, definitely off the top of my head, the big thing, is Oregon going into Washington's backyard for real this time. I mean, Rainier Beach, right near Seattle, like you were saying. And Oregon's making it a habit at this point. You know, you were saying Josh Connerly in the 2022 class, not only number one uh, in his position, but also the number one player in Washington. For Oregon to have back-to-back years where they have the number one player in Washington and both of those players signed or committed under Lanning, I mean, it's huge. Yeah, it's it's big, no doubt, because with, with Oregon, right, Graham, it's no secret that for them to get where they want to go competing for national titles and then right now to get back to the playoff, they have to recruit nationally. Oregon is in a state that has been known to produce top level recruits on a consistent basis, certainly not among the likes of California, Texas, Florida. But Washington has really been, uh, you know, a nice little state uh, that has um, I shouldn't say little state because they're. What I'm trying to say is that they're really just producing a lot of elite talent now, kind of on a more consistent cycle. And, um, you know, for Oregon fans to to get them to get Presley over the Huskies, I think that makes it a little bit sweeter. Definitely. And I think you said it perfectly that Washington is, you know, with this consistency, they are starting to have their name brought up with the Californias, the Texases, the Floridas. Um, Yeah. So really consistent talent coming out of Washington and for Oregon to keep going and stealing it, it's definitely, you know, if Oregon wants to get to the national stage, they should be able to start with a lock on like the West Coast. We've seen them go down to San Diego, the LA area, going up north to Washington certainly doesn't hurt in the slightest. Absolutely. Well, we have all your written coverage of this commitment. We've had it covered for a long time, actually, just Presley's recruitment. I mean, um, 
you know, we've been talking to him throughout his numerous visits to Eugene. So you guys can definitely check those out. But we have the news story of his actual commitment. I was also able to speak with Presley um, before the before he went public with that announcement. So you can get Presley's thoughts uh, on why Oregon was the call, as well as our class impact story, which are, of course, we're going to talk about here as far as the recruiting impact for Oregon and then what kind of a player Presley ultimately uh, adds to this Oregon Ducks roster once he gets to Eugene for the uh, 2023 season. Uh, kind of a little side note on just how significant this recruitment uh, win is for the Ducks. Uh, I'm looking at the 247 rankings right now, and I know, Graham, you were checking these out. Uh, so Washington, I don't want to talk about them too much, but they they were on a nice little streak on the recruiting trail among a bunch, a bunch of other schools that have really popped off lately. Obviously, you have Notre Dame holding down that top spot, Ohio State, Texas. Um, Miami is doing really well on the recruiting trail as well. So Washington is at uh, is at number 20. And then this one commitment for Oregon moved the Ducks from 36, I believe it was, 36 class in the 2023 class, all the way up to number 25. So uh, I think, you know, the, the kind of wait and see patient approach definitely seems like it'll be paying dividends for Oregon as they're starting to, to reap some of the rewards after bringing a lot of elite talent to campus for visits in June. And Presley was one of those guys. Definitely. And like you said, Max, not to focus too much on UW. They are the losers today. Um, but they have been on a tear. I was actually very surprised when I was getting the uh, recruiting class information that Washington was ahead of Oregon before or before this uh, commitment when I was checking, uh, that they were ahead of Oregon on most uh, streaming services. And that's because 12 of their 16 commitments have come since just June 20th. So they've been hitting the ground hard and Oregon uh, to get back in the game this way, I think is the only appropriate response. Absolutely. So a, a big commitment for the Ducks to kind of answer to some of these uh, other big schools that are, are kind of starting off runs of their own. Uh, we're definitely going to talk about kind of what's next for Oregon, but for now we just really want to focus on Presley, get into a little bit of an eval here. Uh, Got to give a shout out to my guy, Brian Driscoll. He is the publisher over at, Irish breakdown covering the Notre Dame fighting Irish. And he is also a recruiting analyst uh, with me at SI all American. So wanted to get into some of Brian's thoughts just to give you guys a better idea of what kind of player the ducks are getting here in Caleb Presley. So starting off here, this is again from Brian Presley is one of the more physical cornerbacks on the West coast. He has good size at six foot, 180 pounds, but he plays bigger than that, both in coverage and as a tackler. Presley plays with a tenacious style of play, and he's he's clearly a confident football player. Head coach Dan Lanning implemented aggressive coverage techniques at Georgia in both their man and zone concepts. He liked long athletic corners that could play up near the line and be physical. That's true when playing zone, where they wanted to jam and reroute or where they were playing press man. Presley fits that mold quite well due to his play strength and experience playing near the line of scrimmage. Presley is a quality athlete that is more instinctive and physical than he is explosive, but he makes a ton of plays due to his strength, high football IQ, and aggressiveness. He'll need to be efficient with his technique in order to maintain transition quickness, but his physicality helps him overcome any lack of elite athleticism. He gets his hands on a lot of footballs, and he can play inside or outside at the next level. Presley also has enough speed and athleticism to combine with his length and play strength to be an effective boundary corner. So, I mean, that sounds like a pretty sweet get for the Ducks uh, with, with that great evaluation from Brian. And I feel like that's definitely for me, Graham, the, the trait that st sticks out the most has to be his physicality. I mean, this dude's just a dog. He's going to get his nose in there for any play. He's not afraid to tackle. And he, he really just kind of asserts himself as an alpha when it comes to playing on the high school circuit. I totally agree. When watching Presley's highlight tapes, if you watch even just for a little bit of time, you'll see a few hit sticks. I mean, he really brings the boom from that cornerback position. Like you don't see too much. You kind of expect that a little bit more from a safety. And on that note, at six foot, 180 pounds, Presley is the exact same size as Tyler Turner, one of Oregon's safety commits. So the fact that his frame matches up better to a safety than a corner, I think says everything about that physicality that is great to have at any position on the football field, but especially at that corner, definitely set the tempo. 
Yeah, and, and kind of what what Brian was getting into is is that maybe he doesn't have that that top flight speed that is really such a coveted trait in a lot of defensive backs, but I think he definitely makes up for it with with his technique and kind of his feel for the game. Um, so even though that's obviously a really big trait that you want to have, that's not to say he's slow. It's just that it's not necessarily a trait that pops just as much as some of his other ones do on, on tape here. And another thing that's cool about this Presley commitment is Dan Lanning was just coaching a cornerback from Presley's neck of the woods in the national championship. That of course being Keely Ringo, uh, who was an elite, elite cornerback in the class of 2020, I want to say, maybe 2021. I talked to Ringo one time during his uh, recruitment when the Ducks were still in the picture. The uh, class is just uh, evading me at the moment. So if you're Presley, you're, you're looking at what Lanning was able to do with his corners in that amazing, historic, whatever adjective you want to use, that defense out there in Athens that was able to capture Kirby Smart's first national championship. So looks like the proof is in the pudding when you're looking at Presley's fit into Dan Lanning's defense. Yeah, just the fact that uh, another thing that gets highlighted a lot, I heard it in uh, Driscoll's report, is the ball skills, the hand-eye coordination. At high school, he plays kick returner and wide receiver on top of cornerback, which is not unheard of by top recruits by any means. But that just tells me that he can make a play on the ball, which also will help make up for if the speed is not at that elite level. Yeah, I think that's a, a big skill that that always carries over, I feel like, for defensive backs. If if you find yourself playing wide receiver, you know, you just kind of learn the ins and outs, the intricacies of the position, uh, and and that makes it easier to transition that to the other side of the ball. It'd be really cool if we saw more two-way guys at the college level. We out here in Eugene got a little taste of it last year for the Ducks, but it was just hang in there. You got me, Graham? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Sorry about that. I'm going to see if I can close some of these windows and help out my connection a little bit. Sorry about that, guys. Try to bear with me here. Um, but yeah, just, just to go back to Presley, one of the cool things that stood out about his commitment when I was talking to him about why it was the Ducks, he was saying that Coach Lanning, Coach Tosh Lapoy, and Coach Demetrius Martin are an elite trio. And uh, I think it just shows you how, how much faith these recruits have in, in the Oregon staff uh, based off of the body of work that they've seen. Lanning, everyone wants to talk about Georgia, but Tosh has ha achieved a lot of success at the college and NFL levels. You want to look at Alabama, look at his time at Washington uh, recently, also at Cal, staying in, out west. So I feel like there's a there's a lot of potential here for, uh, you know, this defense moving forward. Uh, when you add a guy like Presley, definitely something, a position that's important to, to add, given the, the Ducks roster right now. I totally agree with you, and I really like the points you're making and what Presley said really about that being a clutch trio, a key trio for the Oregon coaching staff. Obviously, Lanning is the head of it. You know, he's a great recruiter, but both Lapoy and Martin are fantastic on their own right. For a little bit of context, Presley is the sixth highest ranked recruit that Martin has recruited, which means there are five guys that are better than the number one player in Washington. It just shows that uh, Martin, you know, he's up there with the best recruits and Oregon is certainly happy to add him to the uh, coaching lineup and it's already paying huge dividends. Yeah, Martin's definitely a, a very likable coach. I think just when you see the energy that he has, whether it's at practice or in press conferences, uh, his whole saying is yee, uh, DB pedigree, which is which is what Presley said when I was like, any any message that you want to share after you know committing? So you just shouted out Coach Meat, um, who who has had a long track record of success. You, you got to look at a coach that's been at just about half of the Pac-12, uh, made coaching stops at just about six schools. Um, so he's incredibly experienced. Um, he, he's definitely worked with a lot of really good corners. I think he's a, a really strong developer of talent, seeing that he's maybe a little bit more veteran than Oregon's previous cornerbacks coach, Rod Chance. No slight to him, but just Martin's been in the game longer. Um, so he, he obviously had a, a great relationship with, with Presley. And I think another aspect of the recruitment here, this commitment, 
let's talk about kind of how we think this affects Oregon in, in the long run, right? In the big picture. Let's let's look at Oregon's roster right now, specifically cornerback where Presley's going to be playing. Um, it's been an eventful offseason, specifically at the cornerback position. You lose Michael Wright to the NFL draft. Uh, and then so he's looking to hopefully get a shot, a pro career shot. Uh, and then you also lose DJ James, who returns back to his home state of Alabama to play for Brian Harson and the Auburn Tigers. And then maybe one of the more surprising ones was Jalen Davies uh, returning back to Los Angeles to play for Chip Kelly and the UCLA Bruins. So that room got real young, real fast. DJ James looked like he was in a prime position to be the new cornerback one for the Ducks. What, what do you think about how uh, you know Presley kind of helps affect the the roster shakeup here? It's definitely needed. Uh, Oregon has been going really hard in getting that secondary in this 2023 class. They already have five recruits now committed that play some sort of defensive back, whether that's corner or safety. Um, it's huge for them. You know, Oregon did get Christian Gonzalez transferring in from Oregon, or I'm sorry, from Colorado. Um, but it's a super young room, and it definitely hurts losing guys like DJ James. Uh, I'll always think of DJ James in a fond light, even if he transferred away for that huge pick that he had at UCLA. I was lucky enough to be there. So DJ James definitely hurts um, losing him. And yeah, they're going to be looking to a lot of guys to step up. I think Gonzalez, you know, even though he's young, he sort of becomes that number one guy. But after that, it's not entirely certain. Yeah. Wasn't that, uh, just to go back to that UCLA game, wasn't that the first time I met you, Graham? Yes, sir. It was. Yep. Met in that UCLA press box. And a little bit later in the game, we were both down on the field to see DJ uh, pick pick that pass. And uh, the the uh, environment at the Rose Bowl down there was electric. I remember DJ came. He had the game ball. I think he held on to that pick ball ever since he uh, ever since the quarterback let go of it. Um, yeah, it was a great it was a great vibe down there with uh, Chris the ball and all the players and certainly hurts to be losing a player and a guy like that, DJ James. Yeah, got to give a shout out to the the Rose Bowl press box because that was just like so, so nice. They had a bunch of really good food and then getting to go down for the final minutes of that game uh, was definitely a treat. And you could, you know, really, you, that was just an atmosphere you got to soak up. Uh, definitely glad I got to go there. A little bit more special for you too, being a, you know, a SoCal guy. Yes, sir, man. SoCal guy uh moved to Oregon so you know I got friends that are around I got friends at UCLA it, it was personal so it was it was a it was a crazy day it was a great day for sure and the Rose Bowl one of if not the best uh college football venues yeah yeah so just to go back to uh you know I don't want to get too sidetracked here but just to go back to the cornerback room for Oregon Christian Gonzalez comes into uh into this season I feel like really he's got to be one of the guys with the most to prove on this team. Not, not because he hasn't already played at a high level, but because that's really what they need him to do. They're, they're viewing him as a plug and play guy. That's going to be able to come in and match up with whatever the uh, opponent's number one wide receiver is. And um, I think that coupling him with some guys that are, uh, you know, they've kind of had some mixed success. I wasn't going to say necessarily proven commodities that the two guys that I'm talking about at corner, being Triquez Bridges and Dante Manning. Um, cool little side note, Presley is the highest rated defensive back to commit to Oregon since Dante Manning, uh, who garnered five-star status kind of late down the stretch in the 2022 cycle, sorry, 2020 cycle, excuse me. I got to slow myself down um, with, uh, with Manning coming from Kansas City. So um, Presley is the highest rated guy in this class now, but Oregon's, Oregon's a, uh, Secondary, particularly at corner, you have a lot of young guys. You're, you're hoping that Dante Manning can take that next step and maybe be that cornerback too. And I feel like I, I would mainly, I would maybe lean more towards him rather than Bridges, just because he he's a little bit more twitchy, a little bit more explosive. Versus, uh, you know, Triquez is more of that lengthier guy, ball hawk. He was originally a safety, um, and he was still trying to kind of find his comfort zone as, as those guys kind of split CB2 reps last year uh, behind Mikel Wright. Yeah, I think I think uh, that focusing on this season is really important because, yeah, Oregon is getting these defensive back recruits, but these are 2023 guys. They're not coming to help this year. So I think a lot has to be proven by the Oregon defensive backs 
uh, for this for this off season, or I'm sorry, this uh, season itself. And uh, I feel like something that doesn't get talked about a lot is how a certain position group or how a team overall plays and how that affects recruiting. I think Oregon has been very strong producing secondary talent that's gone to the league for a couple of years now in a row. Um, if Oregon's DBs and the defense, passing defense as a whole is not up to snuff, then it can definitely hurt the recruiting game. Yeah, the, the Ducks have had some really strong guys come through Eugene of late. Obviously, Javon Holland's got to be the crown jewel of the secondary now. Um, you know, with Patrick Chung retired and, uh, you know, some of the older guys, um, you know, already been in the league for a while. And then you also have Diamond Lenore, Thomas Graham, Brady Breeze. So that's definitely been a spot for them that has uh, that they've done really well at. And then Verone McKinley joins uh, Javon over there in Miami. But specifically at corner, I, I really like the, if we're just looking at 2023, you figure that pretty much every cornerback should should return uh, for Oregon after the 2022 season. That's that's one of the benefits of having such a young room. You don't have to plan for a whole lot of departures and, and try to kind of uh, plug in those holes. But I really like the speed that the Ducks added in 2022. Obviously, you look at Jaleel Florence and Jaleel Tucker, who come up from San Diego, Lincoln High School. Um, Jaleel Florence w- was a, an early standout in the spring, seeing that uh, seeing that he had a big interception in the spring game. And then Jaleel Tucker was uh, someone who actually stayed throughout the entirety of his senior year so he could have one more track season. Can't fault a guy for that. But uh, he's here in Eugene now um, to get ready for next season. So when you look at the speed that they have, and then you're bringing in some more ball hawking guys, aggressive guys like Presley. I feel like this sets up very nice for Oregon moving forward. Um, I don't think we talked about other guys. Did we talk about other guys on the board uh, at corner? Not yet. Okay. Do you, you want to take that one? Definitely. Um, one name that uh, stands out when it comes to uh, when it comes to recruits and the cornerback position is. Roderick Pleasant, I believe. Is that is that the right name? So, mm-hmm. let me. Yep, Roderick Pleasant uh, is the number 12 cornerback in the nation, which is ahead of Presley. Um, and he currently does not have – no one's predicted him to go anywhere just yet, but the colleges he's listed as warm for are Oregon, USC, and Boston College. Uh, Oregon is the only school in the Pac-12 to have a cornerback in the top 25 rankings for the 2023 class and they've got two of them uh so it's hard to say if Oregon has room in the cornerback room for Pleasant but he's a fantastic uh prospect to say the least yeah so I think we were we were talking before we hit record here uh Graham that that Matt Pallage and Demetrius Martin have really done a good job of just filling out the secondary in this 2023 class and, and I think they're bringing versatility and a good blend of, of multiple skill sets and size and length speed. Um, but Roger Pleasant, that's a, that's a guy no one's going to turn down. I mean, he, he is truly a game breaker, game changer with his speed that he has. He, he's made headlines throughout the offseason uh, as an elite sprinter for Sarah. I believe he, he broke the 100 meter record in California with like some kind of like a 10.14. It, it was definitely like 10.2 or below. Um, that was crazy. So he's definitely an elite player that that's going to have a home anywhere. And, uh, Oregon's had, uh, you know, a really good, uh, run in his recruitment so far. He's just a guy who, who doesn't tend to talk as much, kind of keeps his cards close to the vest and hasn't been crazy active on the recruiting trail, but you've got to figure if there's, uh, you know, some, some elite LA guys that Oregon could have to battle SC for that's someone that comes to mind without a doubt. Uh, but there's a couple other guys here at corner that the Ducks are still in the running for. I think uh, most notably right now, you have to look at uh, Josiah Wagner out of Spanaway Lake in in Washington. Once again, like we were talking about, Washington keep keeps getting these uh, pretty solid guys, uh, you know, uh, that they send to the next level. And the reason you got to keep an eye on him is because Wagner placed Oregon in his top four uh, not too long ago, back on June 28th specifically. He placed Oregon in his top four alongside Cal, so another Pac-12 school, Oklahoma, and Texas. So um, I don't know. I, I haven't talked to Wagoner during the recruiting process, but 
Um, I think that Oregon's done a really good job recruiting that state, obviously. So that's something you got to keep an eye on. Um, there was one more guy I thought um, I thought I was going to mention. Uh, I was going to maybe say Javian uh, Toviano, but that's like a super, super high profile guy in Texas. And I can't remember what his top schools are looking like right now. So we're just trying to shed some light on, on other guys that, that you want to keep an eye on if you're an Oregon fan following cornerback recruiting. But uh, the Ducks are definitely picking up steam on the trail at a good time. I don't know if you saw it, Graham, but I feel like some Oregon fans, they, they were kind of down on uh, on the recruiting efforts. You know, they were saying like, oh, you know, June was kind of a waste or it, it just wasn't really like, why, why aren't we getting commits? Like, why aren't we seeing anything? What's going on? Were you seeing that? I was seeing that all over my timeline. I was, I was definitely seeing uh, too much criticism, we'll say, I think. Um, Oregon right now, especially in the, the later uh, weeks of June before the recruiting dead period, which is happening right now, which also I feel like is a pretty solid explanation for why it's been a, been a bit of a downturn. But Oregon getting all those five-star, all those high um, those high profile recruits on campus a couple weeks ago, like Mateo Igalele, uh Jaden Wayne, who was the number one player in Washington until he decided to go to IMG in Florida. Um, I, I don't understand the uh, criticism, to be honest, Max. I think that Oregon's been doing everything they uh, need to do. And today is just another example. Yeah, I think that the timing of this commitment is is really good for Oregon. Their second commit in the month of July, which is a dead period, like you mentioned, Graham. So you bring in all those top tier guys throughout the month of June, and now is prime commitment season, and you're looking to really just get those dominoes to keep falling. Um, and I think that that's why the the timing of this is is good for Oregon, and, and it bodes well for them. Uh, got a question from Dennis. Uh, is Caleb a five-star? Caleb Presley is not a five-star. He's actually a high four-star prospect. Uh, I like to use the 247 Sports Composite. That's just kind of what I've been using for uh, the longest time since I've been in the in the business. So he's rated a four-star, .9633. That's good for number 78 prospect in the country, number nine corner, and like we said, top player in the, um, in the state of Washington. So I'm trying to think of anything else that I wanted to say just just on this Presley commitment. Another thing that uh, is uh, of note with Presley's commitment is that he is going to be enrolling early. Uh, So that's kind of a a nice little development for Oregon, uh, seeing that that's kind of the trend that we're seeing in college football. Heck, some guys are are uh, even kind of reclassifying still not for Oregon, but just we we see it. we see it, you know, all, all throughout college football that that these guys that reclassifying is is not something that's new. But uh, if you're Dan Landing and this Oregon coaching staff, you've got to figure you want to get as many of those guys on campus uh, to to try to get get them in, get them ready, get their bodies ready for the college level, get them in the playbook, uh, build those relationships, get them comfortable just with being college students. So I think the fact that Caleb Presley is going to be an early enrollee is definitely a good sign for Demetrius Martin and the rest of the staff. Definitely. Uh, early enrolling, you know, uh, guys like Noah Sewell have done it in the past. I think uh, Justice Lowe did it this year for, for Oregon. He played in the spring game. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a new part of college football relatively, but it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a necessary part, I think. And when you're a player like Noah Sewell was, hopefully like Presley was, then early enrolling is no issue because you're already ready to go and compete at that next level. Absolutely. So we'll see, we'll see Oregon probably continue that trend of enroll, getting guys to enroll early. Uh, we're going to take a quick break for those of you listening to us uh, on podcasts. So make sure you guys stick around. We will have more recruiting insight on the other side. You're listening to the Ducks Dish podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Ducks Dish podcast. I meant to say welcome back, but... Words just get jumbled in my mouth sometimes, but uh, welcome back to the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, talking with my guy, Graham Metzger, fellow writer with me over at Ducks Digest, and we're breaking down the commitment of Caleb Presley to Oregon, and then now we're kind of shifting into maybe some more broad broad spectrum stuff, kind of what else is going on in the world of college football, college athletics, recruiting. Obviously, the big topic right now has been conference realignment after USC and UCLA bolted from the Pac-12 for the Big Ten. Uh, We are getting some questions here in the chat, so I want to try to go and address them. This question coming from Jeff. Jeff asks, who's next in your opinion? Yeah, I think, well, I'm going to say that the the biggest person that everyone wants to keep an eye on right now is Dante Moore, right? The five-star quarterback out of Detroit. Uh, He he was recently named the SIL American MVP at the Elite 11. Granted, that competition did not feature Nico Iamaliava or Arch Manning, but I don't say that to take away from what Dante accomplished. Uh, he is a tremendous passer and, and is in the conversation, I think, from a lot of uh, industry experts for potentially the top player in, in the class of 2023. But I feel like Dante should be someone that a lot of people should keep their eyes on. Um, after Avery Johnson committed to Kansas state today, it really looked like those were the two guys that, that Oregon still had kind of, uh, in mind when it comes to grabbing a, um, grabbing a quarterback in this 2023 class. And the, the quarterback dominoes are incredibly significant. We're seeing it with Miami when they got Jaden Rashada, we're seeing it with Texas when they got Arch Manning. So, um, I think that, Dante would probably be someone that I would think about. I I honestly haven't gotten too tapped into that recruitment, unfortunately, but I'm going to keep working to see uh, what sources I can talk to to try to get some intel on that. But if I had to go with a guy that I'm probably a little bit more confident on, um, I would either say Micah Benuelos, the offensive lineman out of Kennedy Catholic in Burium, Washington. Uh, He was recently in Eugene at the end of last month on that massive recruiting weekend for his official visit to Oregon. He's down to a final three of Oregon, Texas A&M, and USC. Um, Graham, I'm not sure if you've been able to watch any of Micah's tape or if you kind of have a beat on him, but uh, we were talking about Washington. So, I mean, it'd it'd certainly be nice for uh, the Ducks to kind of continue cleaning house in that state. It definitely would be, uh, regardless of who the player is. Another Washington uh, native coming to UO is always – a positive for Ducks and Ducks fans. Um, as far as Micah Benuelos goes, I think he's a bit um, he's a bit more unknown than some recruits that we see. Uh, I feel like in today's high school football game, the recruiting game, everyone's got all the footage, all the stats ready. Um, and I think Micah Benuelos is a little bit different than that. Not too many teams are recruiting him, but Oregon and some of the bigger schools in the country are in on him. So It'll be very interesting to see where he goes, how he does once he's there. Very interesting prospect and another Washington guy that is on Oregon's wish list. Yeah, so with a little bit more of the backstory for for Micah, uh, I met him and, and saw my first look at him when uh, I was at that uh, UC Report Elite Underclassmen Camp in Oakland back in May. 
Uh, he actually took home offensive line MVP honors. So um, that was a pretty stacked pool of, of offensive linemen. Um, shoot, I'm trying to think of the the other um, one of the other big linemen that was there, but I'm totally blanking on his name. I'm gonna see if I can scramble and find it. DeAndre Carter. Okay, DeAndre Carter was also at that camp. He's just a massive human being, 6'4", 340, playing at a modern day high school in Santa Ana. So uh, Micah definitely stood out as, as one of the top performers at that camp. A little bit undersized, I feel like, um, you know, compared to, to some of your more big-time offensive linemen. But um, I don't say that to, to slight him at all. He's listed on 247 at 6'2.5", 290. But um, I think that... I think that I just love the fight that he plays with. That's a guy who's super physical. He, he moves really well uh, for an offensive lineman. And he was kind of surprised when I was talking to him that um, more SEC schools hadn't kind of gotten into the picture with him. And I was kind of asking him about his thoughts on the recruiting process. I always like to ask guys that see just kind of where their heads at with everything um, because it's a really unique experience that they get to go through. Obviously uh, I didn't get to go through that. Can't, can't get my hair to stay here. There we go. Um, but but yeah, he he was just saying that I feel like more more SEC schools should probably be given a given a look um, at his talents. But just to give you guys a little bit more insight on kind of what I'm hearing when it comes to to Micah Benuelos and what he told me because I talked to him after that visit was just the relationships with Adrian Clem and uh, and Coach V. I, I need to I need to learn, look up his last name because I feel like I can never say it. Uh, Vianney tell him my vow. Uh, he was one of the newer hires for Oregon's offensive line. He was saying that those two guys are like different uh, offensive line coaches. And I asked him about the the time that he got to spend there on his visit. And he said, it just reassured me of kind of, you know, the, the vision that they had for the program and, and uh, the relationships that, that he has with those two guys. He said that Dan Lanning's on that national championship mindset. That was the quote that, that really stuck out to me. But um but Texas A&M is, is definitely a school that, that he um, he's really liking and and uh, he likes that um, that that, you know, big boy mentality, that that big time football at, uh, at A&M that you kind of get with the SEC. But he was also at USC for their massive recruiting weekend uh, when they also had a bunch of five stars in town. And they, they had breakfast at Crypto.com Arena, formerly known as Staples Center. So it's just kind of cool to see some of the ways that, uh, you know, that uh, Lincoln Riley rather is rolling out the red carpet for the Trojans. I feel like Oregon's probably leading here, um, but July 8th is the date that we have for, uh, for Banuelos right now. All right, let's see here. Um, um, hold on. Let me see what we got here in the comments. Um. Oh, we got we got Gary Metzger in the show. Shout out Graham's dad. Gary said uh, newspapers in SoCal are saying that UCLA athletics is in big time debt, and that is why they need the Big Ten move. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have any sources on this in particular, but this move was a huge money grab by uh, USC and UCLA. I feel like um, both of these schools are pretty solid overall when it comes to their uh, athletic departments. USC has obviously had more success recently in football, I think, uh, big picture than UCLA has, at least in my lifetime, uh, winning a couple national championships under Pete Carroll. But UCLA basketball has obviously done really well. I feel like they usually do well in, in women's basketball and, and baseball as well. But, um, yeah, we've been talking all about this realignment stuff and um, just how, how detrimental it is for, for the Pac-12 to lose a brand, lose a school like UCLA, which I believe you told me you grew up rooting for. Yeah, you know, I think everyone growing up in SoCal, either they get cited to one way or the other, whether it's USC or UCLA. I don't know if I'm a fan, but I like UCLA more than USC growing up for sure. Uh, first of all, Pops, thank you for coming and checking in, commenting. Um, I think there's no doubt that UCLA's football program is in the red, in the negative, um, just in the way that they have looked in the recruiting uh Washington, Oregon, USC are all in the among the top schools in the nation right now for these upcoming recruiting classes, and UCLA is not. So um, I'm sure when UCLA was presented with this deal, it was a pretty easy call. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's clear that 
the way that this move just caught the Pac-12 and so much of the country just totally off guard, it's pretty clear. I think you could say what I've heard some people saying that uh, USC and UCLA had 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 this move in the works for, for a while. Um, but UCLA is heading to the Big Ten in a couple years. They're they're entering 2022 off of their best season in a while on the field under Chip Kelly, who I think they just recently signed to a contract extension. You got DTR back, Zach Charbonnet back. Chase Coda obviously made his way north to come back home to his the home state of Oregon. So I think that it's uh, it's shaping up to be a really good year for UCLA, and I'm excited to see how they do. Got some more questions that are coming in, so keep sending those in to us, guys. Larry asks, hey, Max, glad to see Oregon's doing well still. Are the Ducks ready to join my Utes in the Big 12 where they care about football? Oh, man, um, this this is obviously the the big question right now about, you know, which which conference is the best fit for uh, for Oregon. And um, really, everybody is kind of making their case. Right. And any any Pac-12 school is kind of wondering now, uh, you know, we're seeing all these statements about how we're so dedicated to the the health of the conference. And, and we're going to do, you know, we're in media rights negotiations, I think is, is what the the statement today was uh, like, okay, we're ready to, you know, begin these talks immediately. It's like, haven't you are, you should have already been doing this. They're saying that they're open to, uh, you know, any and all like expansion discussions right now. But um, I, mean, I, I personally don't think that Oregon should go to the big 12. I think it's a, a solid backup plan. Um, if I'm Oregon, the big, it's kind of big 10 or bust uh, is, is my perspective on things. Um, I think that obviously if Oregon were to go to the sec, that would be another premier brand for the sec to add. Obviously that's even more challenging than the big 10, right? When it comes to geography, uh, certainly less winnable than the, the big 10, but you're also getting tested uh, at a much higher rate. I think with the, the quality of teams that you have, in the SEC, but I think the Big Ten is the way to go, uh, especially since uh, you know they have some really good basketball teams as well. Obviously, in uh, in the SEC, you got schools like Kentucky and Arkansas that have both been doing really, really well. Auburn as well. Um, but I just think logistically, especially after having USC and UCLA join the Big Ten, uh, kind of figures that it makes sense to to keep Oregon uh, as a team that like you know as a travel partner uh, out west. So. I think that um, the Utes find themselves in an interesting spot because their program is clearly on the rise when it comes to football, and, and football is a sport that's driving the boat here. But uh, I don't feel like they have as a solid overall of an athletic department uh, as Oregon does. Um, you know, not trying to to uh, take any digs at, at Utah. That's, that's just my thought of it. I feel like that's another thing that makes Oregon really attractive to a lot of uh, conferences and just nationally. It's because they're not really bottom feeders in any one sport. I definitely think that's a great point. Oregon, I think, is among the most consistent when it comes to all sports out of any school in the country. We talk about USC and UCLA. You know, they're good at football. UCLA is good at basketball. But I, when you look across the board to all of the sports, I think you would be surprised how many times Oregon is beating those teams. Um, but it's just so tough to keep up. Uh, these past couple of days have been insane with the conference realignment rumors. I think today the uh, rumor is the Big 12, like we're, we're talking about right now. Um, and it's just so tough to say what makes these decisions. That's what I get tripped up on, whether it's money, location. Some people say that academics is not being thought of enough when it comes to uh, you know, m- bringing in money, which is obviously a huge decider at the end of the day. So it's just very hard to follow what these conferences are looking for when adding a new team. Yeah, I, I think, you know, these conferences can talk all they want about, you know, you want to have a school that has good academics, but I feel like that's clearly not the uh, the prime focus, the premier focus here, the main focus. Um, it's obviously money and you want to have schools that are going to be appealing to a national audience. There you go with Oregon, someone, a school that people are going to want to watch. Uh, but the media rights are obviously going to be one of the biggest hurdles for, for Oregon. I mean, how many times I can't even tell you how many times I've been trying to watch an Oregon game on Pac-12 network. And it's just, you have to jump through so many hoops and, and look at other streaming sites. Uh, so it's, it's definitely a messy deal. Uh, D rock Irish, uh, kind of a, one of our newer, um, 
recurring guests, you know, viewers. He, he asked, any projected timeline for a, a Dante more verbal commitment? Um, no, we, we talked about that a little bit earlier, just how he, he, he's been very quiet when it comes to, uh, you know, his recruitment. Obviously talked to uh, some people that were out there at the Elite 11 in Los Angeles. I wasn't able to be there, unfortunately. But, um, you know, he's not a, a big guy when it comes to being very vocal um, or even like posting super frequently on social media. It was cool how the the Ducks brought out Dante Moore, for, or sorry, Marcus Mariota for Dante Moore's unofficial visit. Definitely pulling out all the stops there. Um, I, you know, not the first time that they've done that. They did that for DJ Uyunglele, who ultimately ended up at Clemson. Um, so that was definitely a bummer for Oregon. But it kind of feels like it could come at, at any time right now. Um, but I think when we're talking about Dante Moore, I want to actually kind of use that recruitment since it's like the biggest one right now for Oregon, I think while they're waiting in the balance to see what's going on to transition into our next question that comes from Dennis. Dennis says, I just hope Oregon gets its conference alignment issues figured out soon. Recruiting prowess is hanging in the balance. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely what it feels like um, with all of this. That's why I, I said uh, I sent out a tweet earlier today uh, just asking people, you know, like, Hey, p- put yourself, in uh, the shoes of, um, you know, some of these big recruits, what are you kind of thinking? How does it make you reevaluate your recruiting process? Because especially if you're a quarterback, that's the most important position on the field. Oregon's been able to recruit five-star quarterback talent, but Ty Thompson hasn't really seen uh, too much of the field lately uh, since coming to Oregon. But if I'm Dante Moore, if I'm a recruit that's looking at Oregon, I don't think that any of the positives that you already had with Oregon go away, right? You're still going to a school with a the strongest relationship with Nike, a uh, school that's starting to put guys into the league at a higher clip, as we were talking about earlier in the show, uh, in the secondary. And honestly, that's what I was thinking about um, a little bit more uh, these past couple of days. Uh, I don't know if you remember... Um, during NFL draft season, I was saying that NFL development and NFL production is Oregon's greatest recruiting tool uh, because they haven't won a national championship. Um, I don't think, I don't think that national championship is, is a huge deal breaker, but that's obviously a massive bonus, but you know, you're, you're starting to talk to more recruits these days, Graham, and and they want to, they want to get to the league. That's like a big box that they want to check off. So um, I think that, Obviously, just this uh, this limbo um, kind of a, a state doesn't help them, but I don't think that that Oregon's going to be any less attractive to recruits than maybe it already was, unless you maybe stay in the Pac-12. That's obviously I don't think that's an option. Uh, people are maybe I think I need to need to discuss it a little bit more, but I don't think staying in the Pac-12 is an option, and, and I don't really think that the Big Twelve would be a good call either. Yeah, uh, Dennis, you're asking the question that's been on my mind ever since this whole thing started. And I'm sure it's on the mind of all the recruits that are interested in Oregon. It makes me wonder with a guy like Caleb Presley, who committed right now, did he have time to think about all of this? And did that factor into decision? It's impossible to know. But I'm definitely curious about how recruits feel about it. I really like, Max, what you said, that Oregon's uh, biggest recruitment tool is sending guys to the NFL. With the transfer portal being so prevalent as it is today, guys' main goals, like a lot of players' main goals when going to college is to show their talent and transition it into the next level, into the NFL. Yeah, and I think the NFL production is is such a, it's such a fun thing to see, but you can't just send guys to the league. You need to have guys that carve out roles, that become – tops at their position or in that conversation. I mean, I I bet that Dante Moore is, is hearing a whole bunch about Justin Herbert this year, right? I mean, he, he just absolutely exploded once he got to the NFL. And I think he's in that conversation firmly, very firmly for like a top five quarterback in the NFL. So you know that he's hearing a lot about Herbie who, who uh, just lit it up at Oregon. Um, but I think you also don't have to become known for developing a certain position like a lot of schools have, you know, in, in college football. Um, I think that like Alabama has obviously been known for their receivers. Ohio State has been known for their receivers. Schools like LSU and Florida have been known for their defensive backs. 
LSU even calls them so they have that hashtag NFLSU, which is just so sick, in my opinion. But yeah, I think regardless of what positions you're developing, you just want to be known as an NFL factory in general. But um, I mean, the longer this drags out, I think I don't think it's hurting Oregon, but they, they you know, with recruits. But you, if you're a recruit, I can understand wanting to have some clarity in terms of where is Oregon going to end up playing, albeit. I think the earliest it would happen would I'd imagine would have to be 2024 because that's when USC and UCLA are making that move. You got me, Graham? You there? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sorry, I didn't know if you had anything to say with, with uh, that one. Um, I think that it's just going to be a waiting game. Like uh, someone said here in the comments, I – know that Oregon's uh, AD, Rob Mullins, I know that Oregon's uh, boosters, they don't want to see Oregon fall into irrelevancy. They don't want to see him fall out of the national picture that Oregon has been able to be into, or at least their share of it. Um, it's really tough to say, you know, when these conferences are going to be open to new uh, members, whether Oregon could get in on that 2024 season, definitely not before. Um, but yeah, as far as the timeline, as far as who can get in, all of the realignment, whether the Pac-12 is really all solidarity, you know, all together and looking for new things, we don't know the truth until we get that bombshell report like we did with USC and UCLA. Yeah, and we've been there's been some reports uh, out there, I think, in the past couple of days about the, the Big 12 being in, quote, deep discussions uh, with the Pac-12 to, to bring over some schools. I think um, I, I want to say that was Dennis Dodd that reported that, but I, I'm not taking credit for that report myself. Um, but that's kind of been the one that's been making the rounds, right? You have schools like the Arizona schools, as well as Utah and Colorado. you got to think geographically that makes a tremendous amount of sense for the Big 12. And then U, uh, UW and Oregon are kind of looking in on the outskirts as well as, as maybe some schools that are in the conversation there. Um, I just feel like the Big 12 isn't that strong of a, a conference um, you know, overall, they were already kind of an afterthought. I'd be curious to get people's thoughts on where the Big 12 and the ACC stack up. Obviously, the ACC has Clemson, which has been to the playoff, um, but that they had a down year last year. So maybe a little bit murkier of a picture in, in the uh, ACC. Had a, a cool comment here that I wanted to touch on to kind of drive some more discussion here. Uh, the Slayer says this game will be dramatically different in five to seven years and Oregon can hang and get a seat at the new table. We all just got to be patient and watch. I don't feel our guys in suits are going to let the O get left out. And that, yeah, that that's kind of how I feel as well. I think that Oregon is just too big of a brand, too big of a school. Um, every, I feel like regardless of where people grow up, I'll talk to recruits as Oregon continues to push nationally, right? Guys in Florida, guys in the South, wherever they're growing up, They'll tell me so many times, oh, Oregon is a dream school. You know, I grew up watching Oregon. Granted, that doesn't mean squat at the end of the day more, more times than not. I've heard that a million times. But it just goes to, to, to show you that that Oregon reaches everywhere in the country. And a lot of these kids are still going to watch Oregon and grew up watching Oregon, you know. And I think that's definitely a good thing for them. Yeah, I definitely agree. And yeah, just like this comment is saying... Um, Oregon, not only like do the administrators, the people in charge at Oregon, not want to see them get left out, but um, I also feel like Oregon has a few cards hidden back that they can play. Obviously, if you read John Canzano, he implies a lot that Phil Knight will have something to do with this, and it's definitely something to keep an eye on. You know, he did make a bid for the Blazers for $2 billion. So you got to think if he cares that much for the Blazers, certainly maybe he care he cares that much for the, his Ducks, who he's donated so much to. Yeah, and, and I, Phil Knight's a, another person that you got to consider uh, because he's obviously the donor, the face uh, of the university um, when, when it comes to the sports space, the athletic space. But I think... I, there, I think there was another piece that Kenzano wrote or someone wrote about how Phil Knight can help save the Pac-12. If, if I'm Phil Knight, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, you guys kind of got yourself into this mess. You can't look to me 
to uh, to try to you know save the day for you. If, if I'm Phil Knight, I'm 100% focused on Oregon and just making sure that they're in a good spot right now um, because it's an interesting thought, right? Um, we, we found ourselves asking this question um, during the coaching search. How does how does Phil Knight's um, you know age factor into the equation here? Um, you know, do you take more of a proven guy who who maybe kind of has a, a high floor, lower ceiling, a la Chip Kelly, um, Kalani Sataki, Justin Wilcox in particular, or do you try to make that splashy hire that that can really kind of try to um, take this program to the next level and uh, had has that recruiting history like they did with Dan Lanning. So I, I don't feel like if, if I'm Phil Knight, I'm not worried about the Pac-12. I'm, I'm only I'm only worried about um, Oregon. But I totally agree with this comment. I, I feel like Oregon's not going to get left out, but um, it's definitely uh, a little crazy just to see more, um, more you know, the, the longer this goes without without getting an answer. I feel like there's there's no kind of time frame right now, which is what makes it uh, pretty, pretty freaky. Um, we got a question here from Gerard uh, that that looks like some people are, are uh, you know giving the thumbs up to in, in the in the comment section. So uh, I'm gonna go ahead and read this one and uh, let's see what we got here. So Gerard asks, do you think that when and how many recruits do or do not commit to Oregon is a sign of the confidence uh, of what they're or what they are hearing from coaches of where Oregon will end up after realignment? This is a really good question because I think, um, I think there's definitely going to be those recruits that that just know that Oregon is big time football, right? Even though the Pac-12 has been a joke, but I, I think kind of what Gerard's getting at here is, you know, are we going to maybe be able to, you know, use recruiting and the results that they get on the recruiting trail to kind of, um, you know, gauge how things are looking in terms of what they're hearing, but. I don't know if, if I'm an Oregon coach right now, I, I don't, I wonder what they're saying. Like, Oh yeah, it looks like we're going to be going to this conference or it's like, Hey, you know, I would imagine you know, we're still waiting for answers. We, uh, we don't have that clarity right now, but we know that our guys at the top are doing everything they can to put you guys in a good situation, you know, something kind of vanilla like that. But um, I, I don't feel like right now, I feel like it's a little bit too early to, uh, to use recruiting results to, to um, gauge kind of where things are headed um, but it'll be really interesting to see how, how it does kind of, um, you know, follow along with what we're seeing. Cause obviously USC and UCLA are going to be using that. Hey, we're headed to the big 10. So you want to play big time football, come play for us. I, I definitely agree with your point, um, saying that it won't affect the recruits just yet. This is still very fresh and, um, you know, I don't think that this will have, uh, an impact when guys have been dedicating a year around there to to finding the right school. So I don't think it'll affect just yet, but for some weird reasons, kind of off the wall, this uh, question reminded me of when Mario Cristobal was still uh, going on recruiting visits with Oregon, even though he was about to become the Miami head coach. I remember he was with Jaden Wayne meeting up with him. And I just wondered, Oh, Cristobal, you know, you're going to Miami. I'm sure you said that to him. And now Miami's big in the Wayne recruitment. So I think all of this to say when a coach knows something, a recruit will know it too. These coaches will use anything they can to to get these guys to their school. So I think that in a little bit, we can start to use the recruitment to see how Oregon will do with the, with the uh, realignment if we haven't already figured it out. Yeah, I think I, I think you might be talking about Cyrus Moss. Um, because that was because okay. the Pac-12 championship was in Vegas. Cyrus was at Bishop Gorman. He he was gonna go to Oregon. I feel like if if Cristobal stayed, but that was like the question. Like once I got Cyrus on the phone, he was Cyrus Moss was definitely one of the most insightful guys that I've uh, talked to since I started covering recruiting. But that was one of the things that I asked him, and it was from what I remember, he was kind of saying it, it gave me vibes that he was saying he was gonna stay at Oregon, but that obviously wasn't the case. Um, you know that all that. Uh, all the those rumors and the smoke got got pretty crazy of uh, him heading to Miami, Mario. That is after that that game. But I like your point there, um, and it does kind of feel like um, you know Wayne might be Miami's to lose now that he's making that move out to to IMG. But Oregon has put in a tremendous amount of work on uh, on that recruitment. 
just got a couple more minutes here. We want to get to a little bit more of your questions as we wind down here on the Ducks Dish podcast. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. If you're tuned in, make sure, reminder, smash that like button, smash the subscribe button, and make sure to share this with all your friends, family, other Duck fans. But I'm just looking through um, what we have here um, as far as the comment section goes. If you have, if anything stands out to you, Graham, let me know. Um, I'm just kind of scrolling here after that last question from Gary. Oh, this is kind of cool. Mikey G said, food for thought. I was in an Ohio State space today and asked Carnell Tate whether he would like to see Oregon join the Big Ten. Paraphrasing, yeah, I'd love to play against my bro Dante. Um, maybe, maybe he's tipping his hand a little bit. I don't think we can take too much into that, but uh, obviously some more excitement um, around that recruitment. Ducks also landed in the top three for five-star running back Richard Young out of Florida. Uh, other schools there being Alabama and Georgia. So that would be a massive recruiting win if uh, if they were able to get uh, they were able to get young. Gerard with another good question here. Um, if all pa- all caps on purpose, the Pac X were to survive, we don't I like the X there because we don't know how many teams are actually going to be here. Uh, what schools can they bring the media markets that can replace LA? Boise State, BYU, Fresno State, Baylor. Any school west of the Mississippi be realistic? Um, yeah, I think those schools are, are all ones that I would consider for sure. Um, if I'm Baylor, I feel like I'm really you know picking up steam under Dave Aranda after winning the the Big Twelve last year. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm remembering that right. Baylor won the Big Twelve last year, uh, and then mm-hmm. you have Texas and Oklahoma uh, head into the the SEC. So. If I'm Baylor, I'm I'm kind of looking at the situation like, oh, look at look at this. I'm I'm like now's my time to kind of be top dog in uh, in the Big Twelve. But anytime you can bring in a Texas school, that's good. Fresno doesn't really seem like that big of a of a market, but they are a more attractive Mountain West school. Uh, BYU obviously has a huge hold over the state of Utah, whether it be you have big time basketball there as well, probably maybe even more so than their football team. But those fans are incredibly passionate. Boise State, not a not a huge market there either. Uh, what other schools west of the Mississippi? I mean, I would say like, uh, maybe San Diego State comes to my mind because they're also very good at basketball. Um, maybe you could go UNLV if you're trying to get that Las Vegas media market. Yeah, no, I mean Vegas is like a booming sports market right now um, with uh, with the Raiders there, obviously. Um, I think they have a WNBA team there. I want to say maybe I'm maybe I'm blanking yep, the on aces. that. The Aces. Um, maybe we could see the the A's move there. I wouldn't be surprised if the Oakland A's moved there, just because I mean that they haven't been that great on the field, and it just looks like the city of Oakland, county of Oakland, doesn't doesn't have a, a lot of support for them. Uh, and maybe it just makes sense to pair them up with the Raiders. But I mean that's definitely a, a big evolving market. So I think that. The market makes sense, but I mean, you know, use trash, man. I mean, I don't know how many fans they're really going to bring. Um, if, if we're being super honest, maybe that was too hard of a word, but UNLV has not been doing very well. Um, so yeah, I think we're, we're at the hour mark. We started at the top talking about Caleb Presley and, and that huge commitment and, and a lot of, you know, recruiting superlatives and, and what's to come uh, for Oregon, possibly down the line and any other, uh, you know, final remarks from you, Graham, it, it's been great having you on. It's, it's been a great show today. It's been really fun getting to interact with all the questions, all the viewer, viewers live. So thanks to you guys for tuning in. Uh, it's a big win for Oregon today. You can't forget that. I know that it's hard to uh, – we get caught up these days, you know, with the realignment. There's a lot of question marks. But today is a good day for the Oregon Ducks. Let's, let's remember that to sign off this show. Yeah, big, big recruiting win for the Ducks on the recruiting trail, landing Caleb Presley out of Seattle, Washington. That's Graham Metzger. You can find him on Twitter at Graham Metzger. He's also doing a lot of awesome writing for us over at DucksDigest.com. He's getting more into the recruiting side of things, which has been really fun. He has a recent update with uh, Terrence Green, uh, big-time Texas defensive lineman that has Oregon in his top five. So you definitely want to read that as well as an update with Blake Nicholson, who placed Oregon in his top three alongside Florida state and UCLA. So got to go plug those and give Graham a shout out there. Um, 
And then if you guys want to find more of me, you know where to find me. I'm on Twitter at that name right there on your screen at M sports. And then kindly ask that you guys smash the like button and subscribe to the channel and make sure that notification bell button so that you out on any future live here on the YouTube channel at Oregon football, Max Torres. But case in point, Ducks go back into the state of Washington, snag the number one recruit in the 2023 class out of Washington. Caleb Presley will be a duck. That'll do it for us on the Ducks Dish podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you in the next episode. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.